What's up, guys? Welcome back to Arrive and Drive. I'm Zach. That's Jordan and Nate. Nate's actually doing eye racing. Uh, Jordan, going through it to you. How you doing today? I just crashed into a wall. <laughs> Is your name Jordan? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm in uh, Indianapolis actually right I just now. Crashed uh, a wall. Did some I'm testing at a Lucas Oil Raceway earlier today. So Sweet. that was cool. Uh, very cold. 38 degrees outside, 42 um, was the high, but it snowed this morning, so. Yeah, I saw that. First time, I uh, guess you could say first time driving a race car in winter weather. But so what you think of the old enough, uh, What you think of uh, over racing in cool. pro? I mean, almost really cool. Yeah. Um, for those of you who actually know me, um, Oval has been, like, in my background heritage for as long as I live, basically, you know being an NASCAR fan my entire life, but basically just running everything on oval. So getting on an oval actually felt right at home for me. So got caught up to speed really quick. Um, obviously wasn't pushing too hard because of the cold temperatures and how easy it is to lose the car. But uh, yeah, it was a cool experience. First time being on oval and uh, can't wait to come back and uh, next month for when the uh, actual race happens. Yeah, you're about a, about a month or so out from, uh, was it the Freedom 75, I believe it's that's what it's called? Freedom 75 is yep. the USF 2000 race. The Freedom 90 is the Indy Pro race. So Freedom, the Freedom 90. 90. Gotcha. Yeah. So that should be pretty cool. I hate to interrupt, Jordan, but I just got dumped by Reed Sweeney. That's your fault. <laughs> I just got dumped so, by Reed Sweeney. So for context. So if everybody follows Reed Sweeney on Instagram, please unfollow him. Thank you. At Reed Sweeney 9. So uh, for context, Nate is actually doing <laughs> iRacing right unfollow. now. Um, that's probably why his connection is terrible. He's getting about two frames per second on his webcam. Yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, kind of garbage. You know, um, but you know the thing is, I will say, being the only person here, not and I, you know, being the only person here that's not actually a racer, I need to sharpen my skills a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I need to get up there a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, it needs to sharpen it yeah. up because let's not forget what happened in the uh, IRL race right at the uh, end at Michigan. If you haven't seen it, go to pits.tv to watch the. Uh, Latest race. Oh, heck of a finish. <laughs> okay, Nate Zach almost killed. won. He finished third. Yeah, they got killed. Three wide photo finish with uh, Grant Palmer winning, and then Reed Sweeney second, and then I got third. It was pretty insane. The last thing I saw before I died too was well, the end, which is pretty funny. The last thing I saw was just a big old DHL ad on the side of I don't know who it was. Somebody, somebody had a DHL spawn. The last thing I see over my just my screen, dude, is just DHL, and then it's black. My game crashed. Right nice. That was great. Nice. Good times. So, you know, aside from sim racing, we had a pretty exciting weekend of racing last weekend. We had uh, NASCAR on Bristol Dirt, I think. Down and dirty. That was it, wasn't it? No IndyCar, no F1, no IMSA. That was it, yeah. But regardless, I think I think it's safe to say, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think it, it was entertaining. Uh, we'll we'll kind of get into that a little bit uh, later on. Uh, before we get too far into this, let's jump into dumb things to do on the racetrack. Now, typically, we like to use our own personal experiences for this. However, this week, I'm going to change it up a little bit, and we're going to throw in, uh, and this actually is going to partially tie into Ben Axel's of Broken Hearts, Chase Briscoe going for the win on the final lap into turns three and four, and it takes out Tyler Reddick. So, dumb things to do on the racetrack. You could almost make it Bozo of the Week as well. Uh, Chase yeah. Briscoe, <laughs> uh, fellas, wh- what are our thoughts uh, on, on that last lap at Bristol? Jordan, start with you. Now, first off, full disclosure, I'm going to put it out there. I honestly can't fault Chase Briscoe for what he did. 
I can't fault him. You know, he's going for a win. Any racer, anybody would do the exact same thing he did. However, I will say he did try this move out earlier in the race and ended up, it was Austin Dillon at the time and pushed him out of the track, off the track, basically out of the groove and into the wall. So he tried it the first time and it didn't work. So tried it the second time. And this time was even a lot worse because he got even more sideways before he even entered the corner. And I think he even mentioned towards the, at the end of the race in his post-race interview that he knew it wasn't going to work, but he had to try it. So, you know, if you know it's probably not going to work, then why risk it? Because he turned, you know, I got to stand he's going for a win, but he turned a potential win, more than likely a second-place finish, and turned it into, I don't know, 15th, 20th? Yeah, I don't know where he finished, yeah. but it was definitely uh, a lot worse than where he would have ended up if he would have just hung behind uh, t- uh, Tyler Reddick and uh, just saved the second-place finish. But to that point, he also does have a win already to his credit. So in he can a afford day and age that. where really – exactly, in a day and age where points really don't matter after you win, you can go for all you want. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Nate, throw it to you. What are your thoughts on the final lap? It's tough. Because I think you make a lot of good points. You know, it's, I mean, a lot of, I feel like a lot of drivers have been in that position before. But I mean, it's, half it's like if you were to crash, if, if you were to, you know, finish top five still, then sure. But I mean, I don't know. It, it's super difficult because there's different points at point of views of it. He could have just not tried it and stayed with the second place and brought it home and be fine. Or he could have – and he sent it, and he did completely failed. Like, like you said, though, Jordan, he tried it over in the race, and it didn't work. And he even said himself he knew it wasn't going to work, but he still tried it. Like that's It comes to a point where it's a little bit like uh, – you know, that, that that's where I get kind of like confused. I'm like, he probably shouldn't have done that then. Honestly. So, for reference, he finished 22nd. This kind of goes back Ooh, to okay. – uh, yeah, we talked about this with uh, Chastain and Allmendinger at Coda. Um, yeah. You know, does it fit the crime – uh, Almondinger finished like 33rd or something and instead of finishing top two. This is another case where, uh, personally, my thoughts are if you're going to make a move that dumb, and I get it's going for the win, you know, Better like work. I don't say dumb, you know, it isn't bonehead. It's just like they were going for the win. I get that. However, yeah, if you're going to make a move like that, you better win the race because if it doesn't yeah. work, Man, you look like a fool. And I will say, I'm, I'm oh. not gonna, I'm not gonna point fingers, and I'm not gonna judge because, I mean, if you saw the post race, uh, they talked about it, uh, and honestly, Reddick was pretty cool about it. I, I got to give him a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, it is, it it's kind of funny because Briscoe probably would have won the race still, but I think he gassed it up and then spun it. Like I think he lit up the rear tires trying to get to the line, but they had a, such a huge gap back to third place, Kyle Busch, who ended up winning the race. That honestly, Chase could have just nerfed Reddick, let him spin or do whatever, and he could have just coasted to the line. Not like coast, but not have to peg the throttle like he did and spin out. Mm-hmm. You know, Reddick almost had no chance of saving it. Uh, Briscoe had a legitimate shot of winning after that contact. And of course, you know, armchair Monday morning. You know, race car driver. You know, you could we could say we could sit here and say whatever. You know, we weren't in the seat of that car when it happened. But uh, yeah, I. You know, I, I personally f- feel like if you're gonna make a move like that, 
Uh, you you got to win the race at least. So uh, cool so for Kyle Busch. He gets number sixty. So. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you on that, Zach. However, um, I think this is also a case of two different aspects. I think, you know, I agree that the fact that if you're going to make a move like that, you need to go on to win the race. But at the same time, you know, the difference between what happened here and Ross Chastain is Ross Chastain pushed Almendinger out of the way and went for the win, whereas he went on the win, whereas Chase Briscoe went for the win took Reddick out, but Reddick was able to finish second, and Briscoe was the one who ended up finishing 26th. That's so fair. the guy who was I, I think a way to serving look at this, it... I think a way to look at this... Took it. Sorry. I think a way, yeah, I think a way to look at this as well is, like, say Briscoe ends up winning that race, right? Say he... Say somehow he saves it, he keeps going, and he wins the race, right? At the end of the day, though, was that a really clean, you know, good bump and run? That's the thing. Like... I mean, come on now. That was like a whole like, – that was a whole take. You know, he did – he does, that was a whole thing where he's trying to base it, just take him out. Like, I think Coda's a little different. I feel like Coda was a little more of just a push. And obviously, didn't end up with, like, cars getting, like, taken out. But that was a little bit different, I feel like, this case. But in this situation, I feel like it was fully just – I mean, even if he got the move done, that was a super not even not, – not clean no. at all. No. But that's why but if – That's just my – That's why if Briscoe went on to win a race, I feel like Briscoe would be looked at as a total dirty driver. In this case, he'd be the next, you That's know, fair. catch up to someone, push him out of the way. He could do anything for a win, basically. Then you would look at, like, the uh, Ross Chastain incident to where if you get to someone's door, you'll do anything to win, basically. But since Briscoe basically took himself out in this case, Reddick was able to come away with a second, which, you know, Ben Axel broken heart to him. He didn't get his first career win. But I think that's why Reddick at the post-race interview when Briscoe came up to him, which – Props to Briscoe to man up, go up to uh, Reddick after the race and just apologize straight to his face and say, look, man, I'm sorry. I tried it, was going for a win, didn't mean to get into you or take you out or anything. And I think Reddick was only cool about it because he knew he finished second and it was just one spot that he lost, even though it was a win taken away. But Reddick knows I think that win is coming eventually. Oh, and for sure. he's just waiting. He just knows it's coming and it's a matter of time. So I think if, you know... He took him out. He spun around, and he, Reddick finished like fifteenth. Yeah, I think you get a whole different side of Reddick's emotions towards Chase Briscoe, and you may even see a fight break out. But because I think Reddick finished second and Briscoe finished twenty sixth, uh, Reddick wasn't as mad. He knew it wasn't wasn't really it was his fault. He knew that, and it was just kind of a harmless incident. And you know, they were both still friends, took it off, settled like gentlemen, and moved on. Yeah, that's pretty fair. And I think it is worth pointing out, you know, these guys battled for the Xfinity Championship at one point. Uh, these guys are used to racing each other. Um, I'm sure there's a pretty high level of respect between those two drivers because they've, you know, battled for wins and eventually battled for a championship. Uh, I, I think it's worth pointing out, Tyler Reddick still almost won the race after spinning out. Like exactly, he almost he almost won that race after getting spun out, he was all- which is pretty incredible. It kind of says how far yeah. back Kyle Busch was. But I think it just goes to show too yeah. the kind of uh, mindset, the aware- awareness of like I would say event of awareness, and the skill that Tyler Reddick possesses on dirt to know, hey, he's getting spun out. So what does Tyler Reddick do? He just keeps his foot pegged in the throttle and gets the car spinned out as soon as possible so that way he can put, point in the right direction and get going again. So I guarantee you if Reddick spins yeah. out and doesn't get that car full 360 around, he's not getting anywhere inside the top 10. 
No, absolutely not. I have a question, and this is kind of a little bit off topic, but it kind of is at the same time, though, on topic. Out of these two drivers, who's most like, most likely to get their first win, like the, the earliest? I guess. The, the well, Briscoe's already won. Daniel Suarez, oh, sorry, sorry, or Reddick. No, oh. no, Daniel Suarez, Reddick. Who's going to get their first win first? If we're Redick's talking about showing, I think I think I think Swar- I think yeah. they both can win well, this year. Honestly, I mean, but, I think they both win this year, but I think Reddick gets this before Suarez. Yeah. Reddick's just been a lot. He's just been up front a lot more. His chances of getting that first win are a lot much greater. I mean, you could have looked at Phoenix was his first win. Circuit of the Americas could have been his first win. Bristol Dirt could have been his first win. I think for Suarez, you look at Daytona potentially and Bristol Dirt are his two chances that he had. I mean, you could even throw – actually, for Reddick, you actually could throw the Atlanta, the Atlanta race if you didn't get taken out. I'll throw in there that yeah. uh, if we're talking raw speed, like raw pace, I think – you would have to say Reddick. Um, he's been a lot more consistent in terms of speed. Um, but I will say, Trackhouse Racing has been on a roll. Damn, my voice just cracked. <laughs> uh, Trackhouse man. Racing, man. Been absolute- uh, yeah, Trackhouse. They've been on a roll. Um, I mean, of course, winning with Ross. But... Uh, Suarez, he's been he's been up there, you know. He's been up there. Uh, he ran good at Coda. He ran good at Bristol. He's ran well at Fontana. He's been recently up front quite a bit in terms of pace. So, if we're talking about recency, I think there's reason to believe that Suarez could win next week. Well, next week's Talladega, but uh, that he could win within the next couple weeks. However, Tyler Reddick, he's quick almost every week. So it's hard to say, really. Um, I think they both win, like uh, I think Nate said, I think they both win this year. So, All right, Jordan, let's take a moment to talk about our friends at Anchor. Yes, absolutely. If you haven't heard already, Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast all from one place on your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play, and much, much more. It's everything you need to make a podcast right in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, save time and focus on what you love. So uh, let's move on into send it or pull the reins. This is I think this is kind of growing on us. This might become one of our favorite segments so uh first topic dirt racing this is kind of a hot topic i think uh dirt racing and nascar so does dirt racing advance nascar as a sport send it or pull the reins i mean it could go a lot of different ways here i think yeah obviously it started in dirt People have grown the heritage to dirt, and we have a lot of cup drivers who, you know, brought their talents up through the dirt levels and raced on dirt uh, late models and street stocks just to get up to where they are now. So, yeah, dirt racing has been a source of grassroots racing or, I guess you could say, development driving for some of these guys. Do I think it advances the sport? I think it makes it entertaining, but I feel that it can hurt the sport with the amount of gimmicks it could throw, the amount of changes that it needs to make to the sport. I mean, you look at the professional level of any other major sport franchise and 
yeah, they have their special one-off events here and there to make it look cool, but the rules are the same no matter where you look. And I feel like NASCAR wants to adhere to those rules, but unfortunately they're not able to with the way they have to run these dirt races. So I feel like it kind of hurts the sport in a term of, you know, just bringing another element to the table. But I think it just throws a huge wild card into the whole thing. Now, granted, we have a lot of wild card races. Like, for instance, we now have Atlanta as a no wild card track, Daytona every year. But I feel like that still adheres to the NAS- what NASCAR is striving to be, which is stock car asphalt racing. And I feel like this kind of takes away a little bit of what NASCAR has been trying to build for the past 60 years or decades. So I feel like, yeah, if we could bring a dirt race, I think to, you know, the truck series or like Xfinity series, maybe, but for the cup series standards, I think they need to stick strictly to asphalt. Okay. Uh, Nate, yeah. Senator, pull the reins. I'm going to go pull the reins uh, purely because I think when looking at this question, I think key word in this is, is uh, advances. Like, does it advance the sport? I think it. I don't think it's going to hurt the sport. I think if they want to do, hey, let's just do. I mean, shoot, I mean, you want to say this? Probably, listen, I don't think this will ever happen. Let's do full dirt racing schedule. You know, it's like I don't think it's going to hurt the sport. I think you're going to still have a huge following, so you're going to still have great racing, blah blah blah. But it's not going to advance the sport though more than what you want it to do. Sure, you you started in dirt racing, then you build this legacy on asphalt. Now you're going back to that. That's not advancing your sport. And, you know, with this, with this whole next gen thing they're trying to do, and you know they have this new owners, you know, like NFL owners, whatever, blah, 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 here and there, like Pitbull being an owner. It's like they're trying to, like, they're trying to get the attention of the younger crowd as well at uh, the same mm-hmm. time. So with this whole next-gen car and all that kind of stuff, I don't see them going back to dirt racing. I think the Bristol dirt race it will be a one-off event, and that'll be it. And I'm, I'm honestly okay with that because in terms of advancing the sport to where, they want, where it seems like they want to go, I don't think dirt racing is that direction they need to go. So Before your point, Zach, before your point, one thing I have is – has this Bristol dirt race, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, has this Bristol dirt race brought in new fans? Has it brought in new viewership to the sport? Because that's the only way we're going to see it advance the sport, really. For sure. You know, has it brought a new viewership? Have we connected that dirt crowd that we've all loved? That It's like the World of Outlaws fans. Have we connected those, that dirt fan base to become NASCAR fans? That's the main goal we need to ask ourselves. I think, I think, I think they got them tuned in. I think for sure they're tuned into every dirt race they have. But I, I don't see them being – unless they really are already NASCAR fans, I don't see them being like to every single race besides – Yeah, the, I, yeah. I, I agree with Nate. That's, I, that's I like that angle, Jordan, of, hey, are these Dirt fans going to watch the NASCAR Bristol Dirt Race? Probably. Are they going to want to watch the rest of the races from watching that race? Probably not. Um, I love the angle that the Dirt Race provides. Uh goes back to the roots. It's something different. I like there being a dirt race on the schedule. I liked when the truck series went to Eldora. I thought it was great. Um, I and Nate touched on this keyword advance. I don't think it advances the sport. Um, I'm going to say pull the reins because if anything, it sets us backwards. And that's if it fails. Um, if it creates a new element of excitement and another. I don't say crown jewel, but another event that people look forward to. That's great. Problem is the format has to be adjusted to the race itself. Um, that you, we didn't have that problem with the the spring Bristol race on asphalt or well, on you know pavement. Uh, with this being on dirt, 
format is slightly adjusted. There's no yellow or there's no uh, yellow flag laps don't count between stages. It's a completely, you know, it's not the same format and it is a points race. That is very, that's worth pointing out. We run this completely different for this race and it counts for points. Uh, think yeah. about road courses. People complain about road courses, how uh, that we actually do yellow flags for the stages and it kind of ruins the strategy of road course racing. I totally agree with that. But a lot of people have advocated against doing that because it changes the procedure. It changes the format. People want to race under the same rule set every single week. So in that case, to me, if you want to be consistent, that kind of goes against what the Bristol Dirt Race is about. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I, I will say uh the biggest thing for me if you know if we're trying to evaluate the necessity of a bristol dirt race look it it, it is an absurd amount of money to put this race on every year uh now nascar is not the only series that races on this they've done other dirt events world of outlaws are going there next i believe uh so it's not like it's just for nascar however it is an incredible investment i don't think they make money off this year i don't think so uh i mean they advertise it as a night race they advertised as a night race and the stance granted it was Easter Sunday mm-hmm. at like six or six or seven o'clock at night. But the fans, the state, the stands weren't half packed. I'd say they weren't even half full. Yeah. And this was the first race on Easter since 1989, I believe they said. And I, I like that there's something to watch on Easter. However, what about the drivers? You know, that's yeah. not only are they away from home pretty much 38 weekends out of the year. But you also throw in now that they're away from home on a holiday. And, you know, I, I don't like to look at it through this lens often, but think about it this way. Um, there are a lot of religious drivers in NASCAR. Easter is a religious holiday. It's kind of, you know, I, I don't think it's a big deal, but it is kind of like if, there was any movement to shorten the schedule to have these drivers away from home less. This does not help. It, this is only going to no. increase that debate. Um, so kind of circling back on my thought on the necessity of Bristol dirt. Uh, and, and it kind of goes back to the whole idea of drawing and dirt fans. It's like, what does this race do that the asphalt spring Bristol race did not do? Really, the only thing that I've seen on social media that kind of tells me that this is somewhat justified is that it puts more people in the stands. However, does does that increase of ticket sales cover the absurd investment of putting dirt on this racetrack? The answer is probably not. And if we're if you're talking about long term effect. Does this draw in enough people over the rest of the season to justify it? And I say probably not. You know, yeah. the Yeah, I think another thing you gotta look at too is like Kevin Harvick during the race also says that NASCAR does not know how to prep the track and thinks it's ridiculous for uh, to be racing Bristol. So I disagree with that. Uh, so that's our next yeah. Senator Pull the Reins thing. And I'm gonna say pull the reins on that because I, I think that's that's absurd. I think NASCAR actually did a pretty good job of prepping the track this year although i may not be a huge fan of 
the spring race losing a pavement date and and you know in favor of a dirt race. Uh, I will say I thought they did a relatively good job of prepping the track. Last year was really bad. I think this year was pretty good. I think they did a good job of prepping the track between stages. I it, there there wasn't anything like stupid that happened. Whereas last year no. was a disaster. I feel like this was a lot more acceptable. So I'm gonna say pull the reins on on Harvick for that because I I don't I don't get that. I'm gonna say I'm gonna disagree and say send it on this only because they feel like there could have been something they could have done at the start of the race, especially. Um, granted, the track was very damp and it had a lot of rain that just came in an hour before the race, so the track was already damp. And NASCAR kind of, I think you knew, based on what the truck race was last year, with a wet track, that dirt's going to get on the grills. And we know that. So I think for like the first, you know, 20 laps of the race, they had two, three cars. Now, granted, they were all SHR cars, too. But two or three cars get dirt covered in their grills, and they had to throw a red flag or yellow because they had to get the grill off. And all the cars had to come down pit road to get the grills cleaned off. But after that 20 laps... If you noticed, track was good. I think after that first 20 laps, they NASCAR did a good job of prepping the track. It was just those first 20 laps of the initial start of the race where I feel like they needed to give a little bit more attention to the track just so we didn't have the, what happened in the first 20 laps happen and take potentially two or three cars out of contention that early in the race. I mean, Cole Custom was a pole sitter, and he was basically done for the day two laps down by lap 13. So... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in on this one. I'm gonna honestly kind of combine these last couple we've done here. I'm gonna say on the whole Kevin Harvey, I'm gonna agree with you and say pull the reins though, because really it's I, I think NASCAR needs. I feel like the last couple of years now Bristol Dirt, um, and I, I I think going back to the first thing like you know does dirt racing events NASCAR do we need more dirt racing blah blah blah. I think we need to keep Bristol Dirt as it is the next couple of years and see. And then look back, okay, the past three races of Bristol Dirt, how they outcome. Like, what is what happened? And there's always something. And there's always, you know, okay, there's an issue with, like, the, the first race, you know, they had you know, a couple of things with the windshields, blah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, this year, you know, it's the grills. You know, it's – if there's always something with Bristol Dirt that goes wrong, maybe that should not be the direction they're taking. But if it, if, if it works out, though, then it works out, you know. And in this case, this year, they're going to look at, oh, we got a great finish, you know, neck and neck to the line of crash that's yeah. what you want to have you know racing wise yeah. for me i've gotten to the point where i like i i've, I've been really love watching indycar and formula one so it's so like watching this like oh big crash to the end you know but i was like a stupid move though i like i feel like i'm more i feel like i, I like more watching the racing yeah. passes the you know? strategy and so that's me yeah. it wasn't really a racing pass exactly. but yeah like but but nascar will look at that and be like oh big crash to the end of the you know final lap pass and final turn oh what a great finish and i'm like yeah, I guess so. You know, that's, good job. That's I, the, I don't know. That's just that's how the I problem feel with like NASCAR's that. PR system is they're advertising the wrong market. Yeah. They're advertising the wrong part of what shoot the, their commercials are all crashes, pretty much. You know, like Talladega, big old blow over the show. It's like they think that's know, what get people. I don't think you'll see that in Formula they One. They think ad. that's what people want to see. They want to get yeah. interested. I mean, hell, if IndyCar wanted to really yeah. do that, I mean, their crashes would be ten times better than NASCAR's because they got pieces of debris and <laughs> cheap metal yeah. flying everywhere on IndyCar's parts, dude. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, that's that's why when you see like memes, you know, like like F one fans compared to NASCAR fans, it's so funny. It's so different. 
And it's like it really is a different fan base because you know it's a lot. I think a lot, like a lot of it is just what the the PR feeds. I feel too. like NASCAR has its, its own like, different fan base between NASCAR fans and NASCAR on oh Twitter fans. Yeah, it's, that's fair. Oh my god! Well, I want to I want to point out something. You guys bring a good point. Um, NASCAR has kind of catered to the wrong audience uh, over like the yeah. last ten years in terms of they've kind of advertised the wrong thing. I think if they would use in, in their promo, I mean, of course you're going to include a couple crashes here and there, but like to completely ignore where certain tracks have like really good racing, you're trying to attract race fans to watch your stuff. Now yeah. I get it. You, you got to draw on people somehow in your promo stuff. So it's got to look cool. But if I wanted to watch crash compilation, which is basically their commercials, I just go on YouTube <laughs> Type in car crash compilation. And I could watch street yeah. cars crash. I could watch demo derbies. I could watch NASCAR <laughs> crashes. I could watch sports car crashes. I, I could watch. watch I, we, could, we could watch the Ignite. Can, <laughs> yeah, can, we, we, can, we can watch. We can watch Zach McCann's vlogs. I mean, you see a lot of crashing. crashing. Um, you, could, you could see me, the cripple, walking around. I mean, you could see a lot but, of me. Yeah, I mean, Anyways. No, but I get that's that's the biggest thing. It's like I've gotten to the point where I love watching racing for like the passes, you know, and like the great, you know, the crazy net by side by side by side. It's a race, not like the not yeah. NAS- NASCAR. Want- yeah, but NASCAR NASCAR's gotten to the point where they they love what happened in Bristol. Dirt. I will they say that's exciting, that. okay. but that's like not like that's not what did it for me. You know what I mean? Like no, like exactly. the, NASCAR yeah. NASCAR can actually take a lot of the footage that happened at Bristol Dirt and use it for like their next commercial. There was like, some there good was stuff. Three or four wide racing. I mean. Show three or four wide racing sometimes. Show people bouncing doors off each other. Some show putting someone in a wall, but not turning them or crashing into them. Just show like the physicality of the sport itself, but don't like show someone getting taken out or spinning into the wall. I mean, like as your compilation. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty fair assessment. So one thing I want to add before we move on, Zach, is I think what NASCAR <laughs> wants to, needs to do is either put Bristol oh. as the All Star race and have it be the dirt race where it's a non-points race, or they need to bring that the charity race of the Prelude to Dreams as, like, Ooh. if they want to capture that dirt crowd. Okay. That's 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 fair. Uh, I, I want to ra- add one more thing to that before we move on. So, uh, you know, like, this, this whole debate of does NASCAR need to be on dirt at Bristol? I'm like, well, I think NASCAR could and probably should be on dirt. However... I think it should be on a proper dirt track. You know, yes. Bristol was yes. not built for dirt, clearly. Uh, they've done a good job of turning it into a makeshift dirt track where it's been okay. However, imagine how good the racing would be if they went to Eldora or if they went to, yeah. you know, maybe the next-gen car at Knoxville would be cool. Uh, like it would be nice to see a proper slide job be pulled off. Like even if it was like Volusia or Williams <laughs> Road or something like that. Like a legitimate dirt track. Exactly. Um, I, I would love to see that instead of uh, taking the spring date away from, from Bristol. People say, well, the spring spring date wasn't that great anyways. I'm like, I beg to differ. Bristol is usually a pretty good show. I, there's certainly more boring tracks on the schedule. Uh, if dirt racing is what people <laughs> Pocono. Want, why would we be taking one of our better races, you know, typically, and turning it into something different? You know, when you could be taking a boring track off the schedule and go to a legitimate dirt track. I mean, heck, yeah. if if NASCAR would have played their cards right, they would have had a cup race at Eldora, but they couldn't do that. Yeah, uh, That's a story for I, another time. 
But I but one thing <laughs> yeah, I will yeah. say is uh, I I don't understand how we're still trying to sort out this whole dirt thing. I get it with the next gen car because it's the car. However, we've been going a NASCAR has been going back to dirt since 2013. It's been this is the 10th year. How are we still struggling with certain things? Now I get it. Different vehicles require different situational decisions in terms of rules, formatting, that kind of stuff. But, th- but there's there are issues that we continue to have with, with NASCAR on dirt. And this is year 10. There's, like th- I think there were yeah. less problems when the truck series went to Eldora than what we have I, now. So I want to interject and say, why do you think – Eldora had no problems when the when the truck series racing out of Eldora, but NAS but the Cup series has had now two years in a row problems with racing at Bristol. It's because Eldora's time. a proper dirt right. It's because Eldora's a proper dirt racetrack yeah. and it's purposely built for that and it's well maintained. Like Tony Stewart knows how to do it. Whereas Bristol, they don't. They're right. a concrete mile, a half mile oval, which brings to me to the point that NASCAR fans are so hip uh hypocritical because you know hippopotamus <laughs> they're hypocrites because we're fine with the bristol night race but the day race somehow is off or not right because it's ran in the day it's the same day, goddamn track how can one race be different than the others just because it's day to the night true zach before we go any, before we go any further here sorry zach can we see the uh front of your ata network hoodie please <laughs> Can we get a read it? You might need a new hoodie there, this dude. This is ATA Network at home. ATA Network at you home. Need a new, <laughs> you need a new hoodie. Right. Um, anyways, yes, continue on, Jordan. Well, Sorry. I was done. That was wrapped up with my, my spiel there. But, uh, yeah, I just think uh, – Okay, I, I, I have another center to pull the reins. I wear this helmet every episode. Is it, send it. Uh, send it, maybe. So, okay, so for people not watching the, the video portion on YouTube, which Get I highly, autograph visor. I highly recommend that you do. Dude, I got a Bobby Krug one. I need, I need uh, a Jordan Missing one, though. I'm growing my little racing so collection, dude. Nate is know. currently wearing a racing helmet while sitting in front of his computer <laughs> and smacking his helmet now. Uh, yeah. I couldn't get it closed, but I got it closed so cool. now. Thank you. That, that's great. Subscribe, subscribe. I, God, I give great content. Don't you, don't you guys miss I, me? Like, I'm not here. Like, oh, what are there, you guys I still doing have a picture somewhere, like a Snapchat or something, of, of Nate wearing his helmet, <laughs> and he has his headset stretched over his helmet. Oh, yes. He's got his headset <laughs> stretched over it. He's going to do it now. He's going to do it now. Yeah. Here it goes. Yes, right there, there it is. There it is. I love that. Moderator Carlo. Nate. I mean, I mean <laughs> this is my. You gotta take it. <laughs> hey, you gotta take a picture, like a hey. selfie, and post it to iRacing Drivers World, and just no caption, just a picture, <laughs> and see what people say. I guarantee you, you're this gonna get gonna... some armchair sim racers that get really pissed at you. They, they're <laughs> oh, like, this guy, what is this guy doing? Like, this must be some. This is a true proper sim racer. <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a good picture too. That's a true proper sim just racer. That. Get Dude. on every iRacing Facebook group just, and just post that. that picture, no caption. There you go. Yes. Sim Racers I'm Garage. You, bro. Let's go to Sim Racers Garage. Sim Racers. I don't think Nate's in there. <laughs> That's a good picture uh, too. Yeah. So uh, back on back on track here. Let's uh, jump back into. That's gonna be the I want to spawn all my Snapchats like this now. Uh, let's jump into NASCAR drivers confused at the end of stage two with ruling. So for context, rain came in, and NASCAR decided 
that apparently, according to their rules, if the race were to end at the end of stage two due to the rain, that the winner would be determined based on the stage two finish, which would have been Chase Briscoe, despite those cars that already pitted. So uh, something to also consider is that yellow flag laps do not count between stages. So that's why NASCAR said 14 is the leader. Those guys that stayed out are not the leaders because we have not cycled through a lap underscoring under green or, you know, we haven't taken the green to stage three. So that's why those guys are not scored at the front of the field. Send it to the pull the reins. Nate, I want to start with you. Um, I, I think it's I think it's a little embarrassing yeah. that well, <laughs> I can't I can't talk about embarrassing actually. While we're yeah, you're being embarrassing. Um, I do I do think it is pretty embarrassing for drivers just to, for drivers just not to know the own like NASCAR's own rules about how stuff works. Um, I think it's more on NASCAR's part not being too clear, I guess. But at the same time, though, I don't know. The rule seems yeah. kind of dumb to me. Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I don't. I don't like the idea of anybody winning or you know under rain. Honestly, personally. Um. But that's just me, though. So I. I don't really know. I don't have an opinion yet. I want to hear you, your guys' opinions first before I say center pull the reins. I'm like, I'm like dead center right now on that. All right. So we gotta be convincing for Nate. Okay. I'll I'll jump in yeah. and throw in my two cents quick, and I'll make it quick. Uh. Quick. Oh listen. gosh. Okay. So, score, and they even said this on the broadcast. Scoring is frozen at the end of stage two. If the scoring loops are frozen under yellow, that means nobody's being scored as they pass through these loops. Even if those cars stay out, cars that are on pit lane are not being dropped in the order because we have not taken the green for a restart yet. And if the race is red flagged due to rain, it it is understandable to see why NASCAR has those guys shown at the top of the leaderboard, even though they pitted to sacrifice their track position based on the end of stage two, considering they had not completed any other laps after that, and they had not passed through any of the scoring loops because those were frozen. I, I'm i going to say pull the reins because it is confusing. It's kind of bad that it is confusing. However, pull the reins because I think NASCAR actually did the right thing. Like, I think that their rule given the circumstances, was actually correct. So I'm going to say pull the reins. Mm -hmm. Jordan? So I agree with you that the ruling, I feel like, is correct because they don't have any of the pit crew members there. They're all back home having Easter with their families while all the mechanics and people that work in the shops are at track. They didn't have any of the uh, war wagons with them, so they can't do live pit stops. Now, in this case, the field was frozen, like you said, you know, 15 cars stayed out. Kyle Busch would have been the leader if it was under regular ruling. But because the field is frozen, Chase Briscoe is known as the leader. And then when the red flag came out, obviously, field's frozen as it is. They're all stopped. Now, the thing that kind of – there are three huge, I want to say, incidents that are red flags that NASCAR should, one, address, and two, be aware of. And that is, one, their drivers – who are competing in your series need to know the rule book. I mean, regardless, you know, we have drivers giving interviews to TV coverage who don't even know where the hell they are. You know, we have guys like 
Tyler Reddick who was saying, oh, I think I'm second. And then at the end of the interview, she's like, I think I'm second. I know I'm second. And at the end of the interview, we have Jamie Little who's saying he's actually 15. Like, that honestly shows that we don't have – we have competitors who just don't know where they are on track or, you know, what they could be doing because they don't even know where they are in position-wise. And I think this is also goes back to NASCAR's fault because they must have done a very piss poor job of explaining what the ruling was for the drivers that they didn't, it wasn't black and white enough for them to understand or get what the ruling is. So when this incident did happen, the drivers knew what was going on. So right then and there, it's either a lack of communication on NASCAR's part or a lack of explaining in greater detail, which translates to TV network as a terrible PR stunt that our drivers, NASCAR is terrible communicating and our drivers just don't retain information or understand what the heck is going on with this race. So clearly to me, my interpretation of that is they did not express that well enough in the driver's meeting. Either that, or this is one of those things where NASCAR interpreted the rule book the way NASCAR wanted to. There have been times in the past, and there is even a rule in the rule book that says that basically if NASCAR decides that they want to interpret the rule or enforce a certain rule differently during the race, they can't. Um, Is it kind of a crappy way to look at it? Sure, but that's how they do it. Um, Given that case, I think they did the right thing. However, I could see why fans may be upset. I don't blame people either way for how they feel about it. It's just, it would have made a lot more sense if this would have been clarified before. However, it is good that they set a precedent for this for the future. Um, So now hopefully this never is a problem again. I think the one thing that really gets fans, you know, it's kind of screwing around their heads is you say the field is frozen, but when cars can come down the pit and cars that stay out, the cars that pit have to line up behind the cars that stay out, which in regular terms you would understand because there's a live scoring loop going and the guys who are in the back go to the front. But when the field is frozen, you would think that the guys who pit could automatically come back out and start in the positions that they finished in because the field is frozen. And it's frozen until you go back to green. Exactly. So theoretically, like for instance – they should, if anything, in the driver's meeting, had Mike Joy explain it because he did a fantastic job explaining it on the TV broadcast. But in this case, you know, you're talking about maybe Chase Briscoe wins stage two. He comes in and pits four tires, fuel, you know, do the whole shebang. He comes out, he can technically still be the leader because the field is frozen. And they haven't technically restarted the field or the live counting until the green came back out. Even, yeah, but, you're right. Right. But in this case, they NASCAR came up with the rule saying, oh, the field is frozen, but because they came down pit road, they now have to restart behind the guys who ended up staying out on pit road, out of pit road, but the field is frozen. So technically, Kyle Busch can go from 11th to 1st while the field is frozen. I think a good representation – not representation. I think a good thing to say about this is NASCAR is way too much drama, way too much. NASCAR, I don't, I don't think this is really their fault, but I feel like they have so much drama every other week with their races – that I feel like at the end of the day they need to get their stuff together and figure some stuff. Really, out. Netflix would have a because I, I I don't I don't I don't see any other organization like body of racing besides yeah. F one, <laughs> besides Massey. their their old thing. Besides, Last year. <laughs> yeah, besides Michael Massey and F one. Okay, besides Michael Massey F one, I feel like NASCAR is 
yeah, I know. I feel like NASCAR has so many problems. Every single race with just something. Always it's something. I don't and then, whether it's their fault or not. Compared to IndyCar F1 or IMSA, it's well, always see, that's, that's fair. I just, I just might so, look something on. I want to point out though. I mean, like, if as if this rule. I mean, from what Mike Joy said, Mike Joy explained it as if he wrote the rule himself. But if if, if Jordan, yeah, exactly, he did if, such a good job explaining yeah, it. But if Jordan and I explaining the rule doesn't seem cut throat clear enough, uh, even in iRacing. racing. If you run in a session where uh, if yellow flag laps do not count, and if you're an iRacer, you understand this. iRacing procedure is if you race in a race where yellow flag laps do not count, your position does not change until you take the green flag. So even if you pit and you come out at the back of the field, it still scores you in wherever you were at the time of caution. So um, it may seem confusing to some people, However, that's – I feel like that's pretty – common. to me, it's no different than uh, your local dirt racing. You know, if you're on lap five and you have not completed lap five of your 360 sprint car race or whatever it is, and there's a yellow in turn two, you have not completed lap five. You have four laps complete, and your scoring loop for most local places are at start-finish. So it reverts back to the previous lap. Because that's where you were at the last scoring loop when you know yellow came out. That lap was not completed, so lap five goes back on the board and you restart it. That's where you restart the race from because yellow flag laps don't count there either. So I don't think it's an absurd uh, procedure. It's just new to NASCAR fans because they're not used to that. So yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, F one does a good job with the Netflix series on track for drama. I yeah. think NASCAR would do such a good job all around in the Netflix series with drama on and off the racetrack. So for sure, definitely, uh, there's definitely enough to talk about. That's for sure. So moving on, North Wilkesboro. Ooh, I, I I'm actually, excuse me, uh, really excited about this one. North Wilkesboro gets a cup date in 2023. Center to pull the reins, boys. What do we think? It's gonna happen. I'm excited that North Wilkesboro is even making a return to yeah. any kind of racing. It's being revived. Yeah. Um, as far as a cup date in 2023, I think it's a little too early. Yeah. But do we see a cup race coming in general? Eventually, yes. I think you see eventually see a cup Shoot, race a, back. We in got North a gateway Wilkesboro. cup race, dude. Dude, it'll be good. I'm excited for it. I I, I think it's a good. I I, I think I, I've been like question you though, because kind of just reminding me that right now. We're kind of talking about you know is dirt racing good for NASCAR as a sport? Does it advance it? Well, talk about it was does dirt racing advance the sport of NASCAR? Now we're going back with North Wilkesboro, which is an older you know NASCAR track. Is that a good thing or you know like because we're kind of going? I thought we're going back in time now. Like NASCAR started this whole thing with the next gen well, cars, you know. All these fancy stuff, but now we're going back to dirt racing and these old tracks. I feel like they're, you know, they're being really hypocritical here. Like you said earlier, it's like I don't understand. First, it's Nashville. Now it's North Wilkesboro. I guarantee you, next racetrack to bring it back is Rockingham. Yeah, like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Zach this since he just got up rudely and left. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm gonna ask Zach this. So Zach, I have a question for you. We're gonna do this. We're gonna actually. I'm making my own segment here. No, my own senator pull the reins because I'm moderator Nate. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Zach, do you think it's good for NASCAR to kind of go back to their grassroots here with these older racetracks and and this more dirt racing now we've been seeing? 
Mike's muted. <laughs> Your mic's... Gosh. You'd think it's my first time recording a podcast. Um, I think it depends, God, on, it depends on the track, really. Um, North Wilkesboro should not have left to begin with. They, they should not have dropped them yeah. to begin with. Yeah. I get they were trying to explore bigger markets at the time, but hey, guess what? Look how that worked. Chicagoland is going to be demolished. Kansas, I would not be surprised if Kansas at some yeah. point got demolished. Uh, Kentucky. I know, I know they're in a much better financial situation than Chicagoland was, but Kentucky, another great example. Gosh, they remodeled that track. They reconfigured that track in 2017, I think it was. Repaved it even. Repaved, reconfigured uh, the one ba- one end of the track, the banking was changed. And uh, they did all that work to it for it to get used like three more times. And they haven't been there since 2020, 2019, 2020, something like that. Um, 2019. 2019, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's certain certainly tracks that could be on the chopping block. And it's kind of ironic that those some of those are tracks that came in as a result of the expansion, I guess, of the market for, you know, bigger cities potentially. Although Kentucky's not really that track's not really in a big city. It's kind of it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Hey, uh, you gonna do Geocatcher right here on the podcast, Nate? Try to find Kentucky. Uh, Geoguesser, whatever it is. Should be Geoguesser. Yeah. Geoguesser. Uh, I interrupt you guys with a very important message for our very own Grant Palmer, who's on the line. Grant, what do you got to say? Uh, i just like to say uh, thanks for having me on, Nate. You know, you're such a great host to this thing. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for taking my call. Like, you know, random call. You know how they do those radio shows. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking my call. You know, th- there's, there's so much great stuff going on, you know, where we've got the uh, you're able to call in and talk on the on the show, you know. Which is which is really awesome. Get to the point, please, please, sir. Get to the point. <laughs> what's your What's your point? Uh, you guys got me on the show. Yeah, thanks for uh, taking the call. All right, thank you so much, Grant. I hung up on them. Anyways, oh. continue, guys. I thought he was gonna have a question for us. So, <laughs> well, he called me. He said, "Are you doing the podcast?" Yeah. What do you want? Put me on the show. I love that. <laughs> I said, "Okay." Okay. So he, here's funny. something. Uh, Anyways, we we're talking sorry. about does yeah. the Cup Series get a, a date in 2023? Well, Marcus Smith himself says. It's probably not happening. So in an, <laughs> an article with NBC Sports, uh, Marcus Smith says that he's hopeful that the truck series could race at North Wilkesboro in 2024. So they're envisioning that the truck series is at North Wilkesboro in two years. They have not mentioned the cup series uh, as far as I can tell. I think so, it's – I think it's really cool NASCAR going back to dirt a little bit and, you know, back to the old tracks. The only thing I don't really like, though, Zach, and that's – it's super kind of like like opposite. Like half of them is like, oh, we're – these brand-new cars, this brand-new this, do, new that. But then they go back to these old tracks and the old way of racing. It's kind of different. I mean, that's the only thing I'm, like, really confused about and not a huge fan of. Well, NASCAR. you know, NASCAR is looking to get back into short track racing. North World Explorers is a short track. The National yeah. Fairgrounds are trying to bring back some of our short track. I guarantee Rockingham was a mile of ha- mile track. They might bring that back too because it's got an embankment as well as, but it's kind of considered to be a short track. Yeah. So I think you're going to start to see some of these old tracks that NASCAR used to go to back in the early '90s, the late '80s, come back because they're trying to go back to more short tracks. But I think the big thing is at the end of the day, what satisfies the fans. Mm-hmm. You know, the new car 
is is gonna naturally turn people away just because it's new. Some people can't accept change, so it's kind of understandable. The car itself, I think, so far passes the vibe check. I think it is great. This idea of going back to our roots, I look at it as more of going back to the tracks that worked. North Wilkesboro worked. Fairgrounds worked. Rockingham worked. Like these tracks, like Michigan. Why do we go to Michigan? Why do we go to Pocono? These tracks don't work. Texas. Oh my gosh, dude. Texas is awful. Um, <laughs> now maybe now maybe the new car it'll be better, and I'm hoping it is because some of these tracks are unique. They deserve a date if the racing's good. I think you can almost make the argument that the racing at some of these tracks has been bad because the car has been bad. The car is fixed. Well, I don't say it's fixed, but it's definitely better. So I think there's reason yeah. to be hopeful that although we're constantly looking for different options, there is reason to believe that yeah. with some of the current tracks that there's still going to be really good racing. I mean, Fontana, dude. Fontana was – I mean, yeah, Fontana was so. going to be a short track. They already had the plans and renovations to make it into a short track. But they've apparently uh, appealed to change those plans. Instead of being a half mile, they want it to be a two-thirds mile track. So you're right, Jordan. Those plans were signed I, off I, on. I, 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 I think the day – to change those already. But I think it's also been contradicted because of the racing from this past year. I think it's been really good. And they kind of thought, you know, maybe we need to give this – track another second they try do. with this new car they really do um yeah. I, I think the day i come on here though honestly and i talk i think the day i come on here and i do not rip on nascar for something will be the day pigs fly so i feel like every time i'm on here we always have some but nascar that's controversial like at least with me like i've been I'm, i missed last week but week after that i was here like every time i am here though we, I, we always say something about nascar and send it and pull the reins though it's so fun that's fair I don't know though. Well, to be granted, we do talk about NASCAR every week because they do race every week. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. That's the biggest thing about them. They do race so every week. So I think but, uh, we yeah. pretty Check. much. I think we covered North Wilkesboro enough. Let's move on to our final topic. Sure. Send it or pull the reins. It's not in. It's not this NASCAR. Not NASCAR. This is hey, we're it's not NASCAR dude. This is go. this is my favorite time of the year. We're finishing up April. May is almost here. The Indianapolis mm. 500, the greatest spectacle in racing. The greatest race course in the world. It is almost mm-hmm. here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited for it. Uh, We're almost a month away. So send it or pull the reins. There's going to be a 33-car field for this year's Indianapolis 500. So obviously, for those people that know about the 500, know that the maximum start count is 33 cars. They do not start more than 33 cars. That's only happened on two occasions in the last 40 years or whatever. 1979 and 1997. Uh, there is a rumor, there is reasonable concern that there is going to be less than 33 entrants for this year's 500. Now, it is also worth saying that this has been a thing for like the last 10 years. So there is reason to believe that this is just fake. I don't want to say fake news, but this is maybe not something to be worried about. Uh, and that we will have a full field. Fellas, I'm going to turn it to Nate first. Senator, pull the reins. We're going to have 33 cars at the 500 this year. I think send it. I think it's all going to work out. I think at the end of the day, we're going to have a full of 33 fields. And, I mean, I don't know. It's Indy 500 at this point. You know, I, I think it'll be fine at the end of the day. The only thing I feel like my 
limit that. I don't know how, what this. I don't know what the issue is. I, I don't. I don't know what the uh, current state of it all is right now. But it is just getting the car there, getting everybody there, getting all the stuff they need to race there and ready to go. I think that's the biggest thing. Mike's muted. Uh, Zach, your your mic is. Dude, I just hit my button and it muted itself again. Um, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> Technical difficulties, I guess, or operator error. Probably the second one. Uh, so usually there's two factors when it comes to having entries for the 500. First one is having enough. Well, maybe you could even say there's three factors, having enough teams, you know, having enough mm-hmm. willing teams to enter extra cars, because you got to consider most of these 500 only entries are coming from already existing teams that run full time. Now you do have like, say for example, last year we had Pareto Autosport, uh, we used to have Kloss and Marshall Racing. Uh, you know, you had teams like that that would only run the 500. Now you've got other teams like Andretti usually enters at least one 500-only car. Uh, we saw Meyer Shank do that with Elio last year, and guess what? He won it. Um, it. It is the willingness of those participants to partake. Second factor is funding and that might be the biggest factor having enough drivers that bring funding to actually be able to run the race third factor and this actually is kind of a big deal this year i think this might actually be the biggest factor this year is supply honda and chevy have been very adamant about their availability on engine leases this year and i think they're both stuck at it's like 17 and 18 or Honda, 16 and 17 Honda's or something something like that but it's it's not looking good from that stance like they yeah. one, one of them have to step up or both of them have to step up step up and that's kind of the problem of having two engine manufacturers as you run into this problem jordan i'll pass it to you yeah yeah honda's already at 17 engines and i think from david lana source but you know from he said one of his videos which by the way we, we're going to get him on the show one time as well to talk about this, probably somewhere towards the Indy 500. He mentioned even that Honda is not going to supply another engine. They they can't, aff- I don't think, afford to, but nor they're going to with only 17. So therefore, it's up to Chevy to fill up the rest of the field. And if they're going to do that, they basically would have to fund. The only thing I could see is another Ed Carpenter team comes into play. You know, another uh, Penske car comes in, which I feel like if that's the case, it's going to be the Pareto Auto Sport car with the uh, funding of Petsky affiliates. Um, you already mentioned Mark, the Andretti fields. Andretti's going to field a car with Marco Andretti coming back for that race, so that's their extra car. Well, that uh, was already spoken was, for, though, with Honda. Yeah, that that was already spoken for with Honda. Honda. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just naming off names that could potentially fill the field. The problem is I don't see maybe two more entries to come in. You may get um, – what's uh, the other one? Max Easterson with the um, – Top Gun Racing. You maybe see them with one entry that comes in. Um, I would be very shocked. I, you know, something comes to my mind. Maybe we see this is kind of from left field. Maybe you see Floyd Merriweather as a last ditch effort throwing the money team for an Indy car ride. You know, who knows? Um, they obviously were partnered with Chevy for NASCAR. You know, maybe Floyd throws a million bucks towards an Indy car team for the Indianapolis 500. Who knows? So something that I take into consideration is 
Honda's participation is a very big deal. Obviously, they are one of two manufacturers, but aside from Marco's riding uh, for the 500, I mean, Andretti, it's not unheard of for Andretti to have a sixth car for the 500. No, they've done it before. They've done it with Steph Wilson. They've done it with uh, Fernando. Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch. It's not unheard of. They, they, they will put extra cars on the track if they have the funding and the availability from Honda to do so. So it is not outrageous. However, with Honda saying, nope, we're at our max, that leaves Andretti, they're, they're maxed out. They'll coin racing. I mean, they usually enter at least one extra car every year, sometimes two. They're maxed out now because Honda has no availability. Uh, if they wanted to, Ganassi can't because they're Honda, but they've got five cars entered with TK, Jimmy Johnson, Polo, Dixon, and Erickson. Uh, so even if they wanted to enter a sixth car, they couldn't. And I'm trying to think of the other – Meyer Shank. I can't imagine that they would add a third car if they could because they've got two full-time entries as it is. So – it, like you said, Jordan, uh, Chevy, it's it's probably going to be Ed Carpenter or Penske with Peretta Autosport. But I, I, as from what I heard, if I remember correctly, I think the Peretta deal was not extended through this year in terms of I don't think the so. Penske affiliation. I don't think they have that anymore. So I think that's why that's highly unlikely to happen. Considering all things, it would be unfortunate um, if, you know – when, when IndyCar is at such a rise in popularity, I mean, I think it was either Nashville or IndyGP last year where we had 28 entries for a race. IndyGP. IndyGP. Yeah, the Harvest GP or whatever, the yeah. fall, summer, fall Indy race for the on, the on the road course. They had 28 cars. That is insane. That was the biggest IndyCar, non-Indy 500 race since like – it was like Kentucky 2011, or I, I I don't know what race it was. I thought it was Vegas 2011, something like it. It, it was that was like that was 33 cars. They that was had 34 Vegas cars actually. Was it? Th- oh, it, it was, was 34. 34. Yeah, they let 34, which of course the race got canceled. But that was a yeah. big, you know, that's a big deal. Well, you're, you're yeah. five, you're five entries shy of the 500 right there. Uh, so like it's kind of scary that. For the biggest race, they can't come up with that those extra extra um, entries. So that's. And I think the, sorry, go ahead. And I think the reason why this is really concerning is because you know, by the time we're recording this, we're twelve days away from the calendar flipping to May. You know, testing for the Indy Five Hundred starts in like two weeks. Yeah. And we're talking right now about thirty-three cars not being entered. That means. At that point, one team's not going to have the full month of May to be testing if we're getting any late entries in, which, you know, calls a little bit for concern, especially for, um, you know, the IndyCar side, but especially if you're racing for the Indy 500. But, you know, it's doable if they can at least feel that field. Now, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, has McLaren, McLaren has already confirmed that Montoya is racing in the sixth car, correct, for the 500? I believe so. He's in the yeah. third car. Yeah, I think that was confirmed. Okay. So, um, so yeah. I mean, 
I mean, it's it's still we're getting closer, but I mean, you just there's no rumblings, there's no rumors, there's no talk going around that another team's going to come through the uprising. So if anything's going to happen, this news is going to get brought out straight out of left field and out of nowhere if it's going to happen. That's why the concern is there. And unless something happens, I think I'm going to say send it. We're going to have less than 33 cars for the Indy 500, as much as I hate to say. So I'm going to go ahead and say. Um, so, so you would have been pulled the reins then. No, send it that there's not going to be 33 cars. Pull the reins that there will be. Oh, because I said send it or pull the reins. There are going to be 33 cars. Yes. I said send it. There will be 33 okay. cars. I I think okay. I think we will. I think we will get the 33 <laughs> because we always do. Uh, I hate to use that logic, but um, one thing to legitimately be worried about is. You know, it was not uncommon in the 90s, in the 80s, and, you know, you go even further back, that those late entries would come out of nowhere. It would be qualifying day, and yeah. some people would be like, yeah, we're going to enter this car. It was not uncommon. That would never happen in today's IndyCar. Like, oh, no. If it's not, if it's not lined up before opening practice day, like official opening practice day for the 500, it's probably not happening. Um, it just does not happen. So mm -hmm. there is reason to be concerned. Um, really, I think it begs the question, do we need a third engine manufacturer? And I say absolutely. If there, if there oh, could yeah. be a absolutely. third competitive engine manufacturer, we absolutely need it because Chevy and Honda cannot keep up with the demand of a growing series. And I say growing because there are more full-time entries than what we've had in a long time. Yet we cannot fill the field for our biggest race, not only the biggest race in the series, but the biggest race in the world. That is oh, yeah. that is a it's huge. That's that's a that's a problem. That's a big problem. So, so it's pretty sad, but uh, yeah. So, fellas, that's going to wrap up. Senator pull the reins. A very lengthy one. Uh, let's jump into bozo of the week. Uh, we were. I, I was originally going to say Chase Briscoe, but I think this one takes the cake. Fox Sports goes to commercial in a truck race with 13 laps to go, <laughs> and then they have a caution. I saw I saw a post on Reddit. If there was no caution, how long the the commercial was, if there was no caution, they would have came back to live with uh, two that's laps. That's not remaining. a surprise. Yeah, that's um, not a surprise at all. Fox is constantly making NASCAR. a case every week of why they should not have a contract with NASCAR. I it's it's almost it's giving me ESPN vibes when. You know, ESPN did NASCAR and IndyCar. It was very clear that in the end that they did not want to be there. And they're mm -hmm. proving it with, you know, Fox has proven it, you know, with NASCAR now. It's it's really like, what are we doing? The production quality is just not good at all. Uh, they try to do this this weird, like their, their graphics, for example. Instead of having like a, a picture of a driver, it's some sort of like cartoon graphic and it just looks silly. It's like this, what is this? Is this marketed to like five-year-olds? Like, I don't get that. Uh, they, they're they always cutting to different random battles on the track and then they cut away from it when it gets good. Uh, just different, I mean, we've talked about this previously, like uh, camera angles being in too tight when they don't need to be, being out too wide when they should be in tight. Onboard Cameras after a car passes another car and the car that it would have been focused on is behind. Like certain things like that. 
it's just like, what are we doing? I don't get it. Um, yeah. yeah. True. Bozo of the week, for sure, 100%. Oh, man. Yeah, because, I mean, mm-hmm. coming back with three to go gives me vibes of what they did several years ago when the truck series was at Martinsville. And they were leading up, they had this great race going. It's going to be a classic Martinsville finish, green white checker coming to the line. And all of a sudden, technical difficulties happen, and Fox Sports loses picture. And next thing you know, they put a Fox Fox NASCAR graphic up and play the last two laps of the race via audio coverage. You don't even get the CDN. And then by the time the race is over, they come back for like a quick 10-second bit of, I think it was John Hunter Nemechek doing donuts or Todd Gilliland doing donuts. And they immediately throw it to college football because they ran out of airtime. So it's kind of like that it's a slap in the face kind of deal that, you know, to the casual race fan who's just trying to watch the race, they're trying to watch the end of it, and you basically are taking them away from the action because you need to fill up ad space. You know, is the ad money that much greater than your TV market and ratings that you're trying to bring in? Because I'm pretty sure the people who are watching the broadcast are the ones making the uh, big bucks and giving you the ratings and the money that you need from NASCAR itself, not the advertising. I think they're there just to fill up the space when the action goes dull. Well, that's a good point. There's something to be said that if you try to cater too much to the advertisement market in TV, mm-hmm. that you will take away from the viewership aspect. You know, if you run too many commercials, yeah, you have to have ad space that is paid for. However, you know, if you run too many ads, you run the risk of people just turning the, the race off because they, yeah. you know, they don't want to sit and watch all these ads. They don't want to go to commercial every five minutes. It's kind of silly. Um, so there's definitely that factor. I, I understand bills got to be paid. You know, you got to keep the lights on somehow. But there's almost a greater importance on viewership. And you're not going to meet your numbers that you need to meet anyways if you're having people tune out of the race because they get bored of seeing all these commercials. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the final topic of this episode, everyone's favorite fantasy picks. We move into – let's recap actually what happened in last week's picks. Uh, I almost got the uh, win with Daniel Suarez winning, but unfortunately – Chase Briscoe had to pass him before the uh, stage two ended, which ultimately could have been a red flag to end the race. And that's when Zach was actually in line to win and almost could have won with Chase Briscoe, but he ended up taking himself out along with Tyler Reddick. Um, so nobody actually got the winner uh, right, but um, Nate actually got a pick right with a red flag happening during the rain delay. So one point goes to Nate throughout the weekend. <sighs> Nate finessed and another Zach point. Was, and Zach was very really close, actually, from going two for two because he almost got the point for having 12 cautions in total. We unfortunately had 13 and 19. Yeah, I should have said 12 so. or more cautions. <laughs> I would have had it. Yeah, that would have been a lot. Would have had it. Um, yeah, crazy. Okay. So as of, as of right now, the point total is I have four, Zach has one, Nate's catching up to me with three, Evan has one, and then Jed with the guest has two. See, here's the thing. So, fellas. Nate keeps cherry-picking his picks. His obscure picks are less obscure every week. So. All right. I got some obscure picks for you this weekend, Zach. I knew you were going to say <laughs> I feel like. So, here we go. I'm making mine early. Uh, I'm making mine uh, early. Yeah, Let me tell you right now. Talladega. I'm going two obscure picks, okay? First one, NASCAR, Cup Series race. There is not going to be not just one, but two cars 
that have all four wheels off the ground. Two flips. Two, well, airborne, all four wheels off the ground. They're in the air, basically, yeah. Two different cars will, uh, during the span of this race will be off the ground fully. Okay. And there will be there will be a red flag in, in the F1 race. Red flag in the F1 race. has not been this season. There has not been this season yet in a race, technically. Okay. So who's your winner? Okay. So there's my there's my two things. Well, you got to have a winner, though. Do I have to? Um. Oh, fine. I mean, we can, we can go without winners if we don't want to, if, I think. Going too obscure. Picks. Okay, well, that's fair because Stommer said he, he Stommer picked two winners. So Stommer picked Carlos Sainz for the F1 race at Imola, and he mm-hmm. picked uh, Kevin Harvick in the uh, Cup race at Talladega. So for my picks, I'm gonna stay. Okay. You know, I'm gonna stay. In Talladega for both my picks. Uh, for okay. my obscure pick, I'm going to go first with saying that there's going to be a flip, meaning it's 180 degrees rotation at least. There's going to be one, at least one flip. And the winner of the cup race on Sunday is going to be... See, if I was smart, I would actually pick the F1 race because that's going to be less of a free-for-all. Ooh, maybe, <laughs> maybe I should have picked the F1 race. All right, yeah, we're going to say... Uh, Charlotte Claire, Max Verstappen, or Sainz. Imola, we're going to say it's going to be Charlotte Claire. Charlotte Claire wins the F1 race at Imola. Who's cherry-picking hey. points now? That was strategic. That was actually... That was, that was, that was a good pick. <laughs> All right. No, the red flag for NASCAR was kind of bogus because I did see it was supposed to rain, yeah. too. Like, I looked it up and saw it rain. I'm like... Well, flag, not only that, but they know, threw red flags so. for the end of the stage break. So you had two given red flags anyway, if you really noticed. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to yeah. go with um, the F1 race is going to have rain in it. So it's going to rain during the F1 race. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. And then. Hope it does. That makes for a good race, man. Jeez. For my winner at Talladega, I'm going to go with uh, Brad Kozlowski. That's a good pick. Gets the win at uh, Talladega for Rosh Van Wyk-Keselowski Racing. That's actually a really good pick. Brad was fast during speed weeks, and he's always good at Talladega. And that he is. team is due for a turnaround. Like, a big they, – they need something big time. Hey, he was running third at Bristol. I don't know if you saw it, but he was up to the third spot. I thought, honestly thought he was going to go catch uh, Chase Briscoe and uh, Tyler Reddick. I thought he would go get him. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just saying, like, that team in general, like, they've struggled for years. And uh, Brad is oh, certainly yeah. what they need, maybe for a cultural change and also just a driver change. But uh, hopefully hopefully you're right. I'd actually be pretty cool with that. That'd be cool to see. So. Jordan, Jordan, you're cheeky with that rain pick, dude. <laughs> it's supposed to rain hey, there. Come on hey, now. Hey, that's smart. He did his research. <laughs> hey, that's, he did his research. That's, that's cheeky. Hey, with he, that. It rained last year. I, I did the same thing. It rained last year. I, I would say that's more acceptable than, thing too, so. than saying too, that there's right. going to be a, a red flag at Bristol Dirt. <laughs> yeah, it so, works. It works. Hey guys, though. thanks, thanks if for tuning you, in works. this week. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you know when we post next. And if you're listening to us.